I'm Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance, and you're listening to the Diesel Power Podcast. I'm Demetri Miller with No Zone Diesel. This is Anthony Rings from XDP. Jaron Holder from Holder Down Performance. I'm Corey Willis with PPI. I'm Drew with DJ Precision Machine. I'm Pinky. And you're listening to the Diesel Power Podcast. Diesel Power Podcast. And you're listening to the Diesel Power Podcast. The one and only Diesel Power Podcast. We're excited to have you on today, Tim. And Comp D is uh, one of those. It's one of those places where, when a lot of us think of diesel performance, it's, it's where it all started. And, you know, like one of the first places that brought together all these guys that are racing all over the country and doing cool things. But, you know, for some of our you know, viewers out there who might be new to diesel, what is Comp D? You know, what, what do you guys, what do you guys have on there? What are, you know, some of the topics and, and things that you guys, uh, you know, bring to the diesel community? Well, Comp D started probably, I don't know. And a few years ago, uh, it's just a kind of a place where our friends were hanging out. Um, Phil Baker and I started it, and we were really active in the in the diesel performance community. Um, had lots of friends that were on the racing side. We were, both ran ET brackets and stuff, and we were friends with a lot of the Pro Street guys. Um, so there were a couple of brand specific diesel forums back then: uh, TDR, DTR, uh, the Diesel Stop, the Diesel Place, the Duramax guys. Um, they were all. They all offered a, a, a good product. Don't get me wrong; it's a great place to learn. But there wasn't a, a, a spot specifically for the competitors, the heavy hitter drag racers, the heavy hitter sled pullers, um, that kind of thing. So we thought it'd be a good idea to start a kind of a, a all diesel, non-brand specific website um, for the guys that were into the competition aspect of it to go and talk and learn and and uh, conversate about about stuff. Uh, because we we found that we we're on the weekends, um, when we were racing, the same group of people was hanging out. So we just kind of uh, wanted to have a home on the Internet for those those guys who are friends. That's one of the things uh, I remember that struck me when I just started to get into diesels is I happened to stumble across the, the forum, and I'm like, wait, this guy's on there, this guy's on there, this guy's on there. You know, it's like the people you see in the magazines and that you follow throughout the year and what they're doing with racing – they're talking about their setups and their builds and what turbo worked and what, you know, size injectors or pump and, and how that all came together. And I don't know of any other place that exists. Yeah, it's, it's kind of neat that it worked out that way. And I think the, the base of knowledge that's there, as far as the database goes and the stuff you can learn, you know, I mean, back 10 years ago when none of us knew what we were really doing, it was, there was a lot of trial and error, but you had the time and could figure out how to use the search button properly. Um, you, you could figure out uh, a lot of things that, that work, a lot of things that don't work. Um, you can see where a lot of people try things that sound like a good idea in theory. They were complete busts, and you can see, also see where some stuff that, that didn't sound like it would be all that great and wonderful turned out to be a, a really big thing. You know, I mean, you got to remember when we started that thing, you know, we didn't have the technology back then that we do now as far as turbos and injectors and stuff like that. A lot of the injectors we were using were rudimentary or, you know, um, not terribly refined, spray patterns out of the bulk. They were real big. They made a lot of power. They were just hot, non-drivable or whatever. You know, and you had twin setups back then that were fairly expensive that, that performed well for, for the time, but now you've got singles that are just as efficient. And um, it's been interesting to watch over time, you know, as as the sport has kind of progressed, how 
a lot of the, the newer guys, I mean, I kind of hate it because we didn't have the benefit of all that stuff back then. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't have, you know, I mean, you got guys that were, you know, killing themselves to build, you know, twin sets to make 650 horsepower. And now, I mean, you can do it with a tuner and a, a off-the-shelf turbo in a lot of applications. I mean, you know, I remember when when the common rail came out, and, you know, it was really cool. It made a bunch of power, but none of them were going fast. And now, I mean, that's the it's finally coming to its own, that technology. I mean, it's, it seems that it's um, actually living up to the to the height, or so to say. Yeah, and they keep going farther, too, like with the – the ultimate call-out challenge. And yeah, like what those guys did year one versus now year two, it's like, man, it's just, it seems like it's changing even quicker than maybe you it did is. before. It is. What, you know, I think the ultimate call-out challenge is a really good concept. Um, I'm not sure how how viable the, the idea is long-term. I'm not sure that, like, you know, the at the rate that it's going and growing, that you're you got that many people willing to spend that kind of money every year. I mean, you look at what some of these guys are building this year; it's mind blowing. <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> you'd never think that. I think to be competitive, you've either got to have two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of ability, or two hundred fifty thousand dollars in cash to even be up there this yep. year. <laughs> you know, and it'll be interesting to see long term how that event turns out um because i don't know how it'll be tough to keep a field growing i think if you're going to do something like that long term maybe next year you have you know unlimited you know levon miller jeremy wagler class and then maybe you have a class that's a little more budget-minded because (laughs) people aren't going to come back every year to watch 16 trucks dyno 16 trucks make single passes and 16 trucks sled pull one time and for the event to be successful, you got to have the show. You know, that's what I've always said. you got to cater to your competitors before the show. But as soon as it's time to drop the green flag, it ain't about them anymore. It's about the people in the stands because they're the ones that are paying the money to get in and to pay for the purse and to pay for the production show and all that stuff. So I think long-term, UCC is going to have to figure out a way to get more competitors in there. And I'm just not sure how many people you have that are able to go out and build a full-blown effort every year to do it. Because I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot of time and a lot of – I mean, look at what Jeremy's got going on. I mean, it's insane. That, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's one of the craziest deals I've ever seen. And, you know, to top that, you're going to have to spend more cubic dollars next year. And, and I don't – I mean, I know the economy's doing a lot better than it was five or six years ago, but, I mean, that, that you gotta, you're really going to have to have – to, um, have some new entrants into the market in order to make the, the deal sustainable. It's really interesting you say that because it ties together a few different things that some of our other guests have talked about, um, like Dennis Perry, Ryan Milliken, a bunch of other, mm-hmm. bunch of other guests is the show, mm-hmm. the atmosphere, and, and trying show. to build that. And relating it back to Comp D is the you guys are a like a – it's a user-selected, basically, like, the topics come from the members. The direction right. comes from the members. It's not, like, marketing. Like, you had marketed specific things. So you get to hear it all. You see, you know, the guy who jumps on, like, what's the best tuner or talking about Jeremy Wagler's insane build that he's doing. Mm-hmm. 
what kind of perception or, or feedback are you seeing you know, as far as what the diesel community is like now here in two, you know, 2017, which direction are they pushing? Is it, you know, more towards these kind of builds? Is it, is it that, you know, emission friendly, you know, DPF on truck that makes 600 horsepower? What are you guys seeing on Comp D? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I would say ask me that question again in a year, um, because I, <laughs> I think we're kind of at a, we're kind of at a tipping point right now, um, for, the future, you know. On the one hand, you've got some super serious numbers being made on the strictly off-road competition side of things. That being said, as you know, as well as anybody not living a hole, there are a lot more shops, manufacturers, getting correspondence from government agencies and whatnot, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to kind of see how that's handled. You know, we're we're kind of in a weird spot. We're, we're kind of like at the spot now that we were at in the late 60s and early 70s when they started mandating emissions on gas vehicles. And, you know, gas vehicles from 1970 to probably the advent of the LS1 motor were pretty much turds, you know, I mean, unless you pulled it all off. Yeah. Um, now, the diesel platform, we're seeing some pretty big numbers on emissions equipped vehicles. The problem with it is is that the, the longevity of a vehicle with that crap on there. You know, I, my day job, um, I play with big trucks, and uh, we, we run a bunch of them. And it's been interesting to see the lifespan of, say, a, a Detroit, you know, DD-15 compared to earlier predecessors that didn't have, didn't have emissions equipment on them. You know, we're seeing not only is the emissions equipment not terribly um, reliable, but it's also harder on internal parts. I mean, EGR in and of itself is tough. I mean, you know, oil doesn't break down, but it gets dirty. And when you're running the exhaust back into it, you know, it gums up stuff quicker. So all that being said, you know, I think I, I think the future is it's, going to happen. I mean, we're, we're going to have to figure out how to make power with that stuff. On. I don't know if that means high-flow particulate filters or more efficient stuff, but what we're going to have to do is, is, is build that power and then keep from throwing the slit back into the engine and it being hard on parts. I mean, you see a lot of these um, DPF-equipped trucks now, they start having issues at 125,000 miles, you know, picking up bottom-end knocks and stuff like that. And it's just because you're, you're kind of harnessing all the power it can make and, and choking it back, and you wind up more soot in the oil, things break down, bearing failure, you name it. I mean, there's there's tons of different reasons, not to mention when you add this, this wonderful filter on the back end, the, the motor can't breathe. So you're, you're harder on it that way as well. I mean, I, I don't know. I, like I said, give me a year <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, think that, I think the technology is there. It's, it's really going to take somebody to kind of take the bull by the horns. You know, we know Clint Cannon's been, been uh, pretty aggressive in coming up with products that are that work with emissions, Clint, uh, Braden, Fleece, and the, and the Fleece Bunch, um, they, they've, they're, they're kind of leading the charge into making that stuff work. And to be honest with you, the way the government's been acting, I mean, people think that because Trump's in the office that we're going to get rid of the EPA, it's not going to happen. I mean, the government's not going to back up. When they created Tier 4 emissions, you created a billion-dollar industry overnight. You know, uh, for instance, 
nobody ever made money selling diesel exhaust fluid prior to tier four, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and now two and a half gallons of it at Walmart's eleven bucks. Well, where I work, we buy wholesale for a dollar a gallon, and they're still making money. So you know that I mean, it, it's got companies like Peak that have, that have tripled their company value overnight, basically because of this stuff. And and the, the government's not going to back up. You know, they're not going to say, oh, well, we were wrong about all that. I mean, it's just not going to happen. It's already there. And the, the sad part is the OEMs, especially on the Class A side, they're not going to – they're making more money in, in in the shop now than they ever have before. So I, yeah. I don't likely see there being a big push as far as lobbying to, to get some of those, re, you know, regulations relaxed in any way, shape, or form. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be there. So if that's going to be the case, then we're going to have to figure out a way to, to make power – and abide by the rules that we have to abide by, especially with street trucks. I mean, you'll 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 never get it out of the all-out race build stuff. But I think if you're going to make money, I mean, right now, if you have a way to reliably make a 600 horsepower daily driver with all the emissions intact and not affect your longevity of the engine, you you come up with that product. You're you're. I mean, it's a license to print money right now. That's the. I think it's the the really tough part with it, like comparing it to the gas market. And this is a real general statement, but I don't think some of those guys care that it has, you know, two, two catalytic converters or one or however many it has on a mm-hmm. 700 horsepower car. But I also don't think that owner is going to put two or three or four or 500,000 miles on their vehicle and use it, you know, to make money and to haul things versus the diesel community. That's what I think really draws the majority of owners to it is, you know, here's here's a stout motor, tons of torque. I can put hundreds of thousands of miles on it. And all of a sudden, there's these components that are stuck on the motor, like you said, that mm-hmm. now affects how reliable that platform is. And that's where the resistance, I think, comes well, in. You know, you know it's, it's funny. We've kind of we've kind of dealt with similar stuff. I mean, you remember when the six liter four came out? You know. Everybody thought it was a cat's ass. I mean, it was, you know, something you can take a tuner, not 350 horsepower in a box truck and run 13s. I mean, that was a big deal. It made a lot of people scratch their head like, man, this thing's great. Well, then you found out it starts puking fluid. you got to spend all this money to make it reliable. You know, and it's always been the same thing, and I really don't care what motorsport it's been in. Kind of if you're going to play, you got to pay, right? And a lot right. of it is everybody wants a 600-horsepower truck, and everybody wants to say, oh, you know, I towed my fifth wheel from here to California and make 900 million horsepower, <laughs> and it never fails, and that's bull crap. They all, I mean, you're going to have it. It's going to fail, and and that's fine. I mean, you know, you just got to understand that as soon as you start re-engineering something that a team of engineers spent years figuring out, then it's going to have some failures down the line. I don't care if you're tinkering with emissions or, I mean, if you look, you can you see the weak spot in any of these old motors or any of the new motors, you know, that always had to be dealt with. And the problem is now they're so dang expensive. I mean, you know, a fuel system on a 12-bow Cummins, there's not a part on there that you can't buy bone stock for less than $1,000. Yeah. You know, well, you go lunch a freaking fuel system on a 674, and that's $7,000 repair. So, you know... It's one of these things. The other thing is, too, you get a lot of guys in now that don't have the con- the, the, the understanding of how everything works, especially some of these. I'm using air quotes. It's like so-called tuners, you know, that, that they don't know what a base file is. They just know that I can turn it all the way up to 11 and the truck goes fast, and, and, you, and you get failures that way. And without having that big understanding of how the whole system works, you know, you're going to create reliability issues in the, in the future. Um 
And <laughs> the, the, the cool part about it is, you know, we sit back and make fun of them on the Internet, and we do quite often. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things that the, the, the group on Comp D, you know, we've been around together for a long time, and, and it's it's really like a it's like a brotherhood. I mean, I've got friends on that website, and we, you know, my friends for life, we, we go hang out on the weekends when we're not racing, and we go vacation together, and we do all that stuff, you know, and it's cool that that, that community's kind of brought it all about, um, where now you get some of these guys that really don't know, and they don't have a home on the internet for it. I mean, their source for all things diesel performance is Facebook, which is terrifying for a couple reasons. One, Mark Zuckerberg has no way of knowing if somebody that's out there is being truthful, right? Where right. somebody comes on Comp D and posts something that we know is BS, they'll get called out before anybody spends money on it. You know, um, <laughs> I do love that about Comp D. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but it, but it's, it's kind of that way because you know it was one of the first places where people would get called out for it. I mean, there's their feelings get hurt on the internet a lot, and they get hurt on Comp D on a daily basis, but. It's basically because you've got guys that have been around doing this stuff since, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, and they're not, I mean, they're just not hearing it, you know. It'd be like somebody coming in and, and, and trying to say that they've reinvented the wheel when you know that their stuff's not completely round, and that's about, you know. But it's gotten, the funny part about it is I think it's probably, over time, it's probably cost us some entrance onto the website because it's, people are so quick to get on there and make claims and they get called on their BS and they want to go cry to mom or they never come back. And the fun thing about Facebook is, you know, you can go on Facebook and lie all you want to and if someone says something cross with you, then you can just delete it. It disappears. You know? Yeah. You can control your own content of your own page there and nobody wants to step into the old boxing ring and, and get their hands dirty more um, or as much as, as you know, um, like I do on comedy. I think it's funny. We've had some people that have left us, uh, for lack of a better term, over, over time, and they're still running their mouth. They just want to do it in a, in a situation they can control, um, which, I mean, heck, I don't blame them. If I, was, if I was full of it and I was getting called out on it and I wanted to, you know, scratch my own, <clears throat> my own back a little bit and, and have people sit back and tell me how awesome I was, Facebook's the, the greatest platform in the world for that, you know, um, and some people are narcissistic enough to have to have that all the time. You know, others who are members of the community, they they, they welcome the feedback, I guess. You know, and that's that's one thing. Nobody on Comp D is above reproach, if that makes any sense. <laughs> well, you know, the the thing for like consumers, for truck owners, you know, why we wanted to talk to you so much is because you're right. Social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, whatever it might be. It's just an echo chamber for whoever's speaking. And that's great, you know, as far as, like, getting information out there or people who like that. You know, you're drawn to something. But these builds and putting together a truck, they're not cheap. And somebody's done it before. They might not have the same vision that, that someone else has. But there's so much knowledge there that it's worth going, signing up for. And, you know, I tell people, too, when you get on there, you got to realize you're, with, you're playing with the big dogs now. So nothing's wrong with sitting back and reading and learning. I mean, I've gone on there and read about stuff, you know, like from 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. and 
it's like an encyclopedia of diesel performance. So, <laughs> well, and the cool thing is, you can go back and see some really good internet fights, you know, from ten years ago. Um, and, and the funny thing is, people talk about the internet fights that are going on now, and they're—I don't want to sound like I'm playing the Bruce Springsteen Glory Days album, but they're nothing like they used to be. I mean, it, it used to get—it <laughs> used to get real pointed, and, and and it was cool because at the end, you know, we sit there and cuss each other on the internet, and then we show up at the next race, and I'll go to dinner. You know, now people's feelings, they get kind of hurt. And you hit the, the nail on the head talking about some of the social media stuff being an echo chamber. What people have to realize is there's a difference between discussing what you're doing and having a commercial for yourself. And your social media sites are basically a place where you have a commercial for yourself. And then you let the people that want to slap you on the back and tell you how awesome you are comment, people that are naysayers, and you just delete their stuff. It never happens. You know, if it gets really bad, you can delete whole thread. It never happens. Well, yeah. Comp D, if you're going to go out and say something, you, you need to be willing to back it up. And if you're not willing to do that, then you can't really cry about it. I mean, you can't run out on the playground and say, I'm the I'm the baddest dog out here and, and throw a couple punches and then not expect to, to get hit back. And and you see that a lot on, on the website. And like I said, I'm sure it's probably cost us some members over time, but the question you have to ask yourself is, do you want these nitwits there? You know, yeah. if somebody's willing to, to not be truthful about their product or about what their product does or not be truthful about their results, okay? You know, I ran a nine. Oh, really? Well, show me a time slip. Well, I forgot it on the way home. Well, then you didn't do it. I mean, I'm sorry. You know, I don't care if your 15 friends from different states say they were at some dumpy track. It, it didn't happen. And, you know, it, it's it's not really a I – new. Mean, we're not being mean. We're just trying to hold everybody to a little higher standard, I suppose. I mean, if you want to go out and claim that, you got to be able to back it up. You know, there's. I mean, it's funny to say, but in no other motorsport do people get away with it. You know, it's not like somebody can come out and say, "Hey, you know, I ran the fastest Indy car lap ever." Oh, really? Well, do you have proof of it? Well, no, but I did it. Well, I mean, did you really? I mean, what's the? Where's the proof? Everybody expects the, the our little our little corner of the diesel performance internet world to, to have a different standard for that. And I don't, I mean, I'm, I don't think it should be that way. Oh, you're right. I think that's the next the next kind of evolution in all of this is <laughs> it's got to grow up quick. You know, it, it's there's so much talent in it between mm-hmm. builders and manufacturers and racers and everything going on. There's so much passion involved. But we've got to take it to the next level. I don't know how that happens. You know, I don't think there's one single thing that does it, but it can well, be so much more, you know. You know, we've been talking about how do we take it to the next level for the last 10 years. And unfortunately, the industry shot itself in the foot in a lot of cases because we've had people that have come up with sanctioning bodies in the past that, you know, been enthusiasts themselves or whatever, but they may not have had the correct vision for growing a lot of this stuff. And I think you have to look back at history and see what sanctioning bodies, what forms of motorsport have been successful and how they get there, right? So you look at NHRA. While there's a lot of people who have gripes about NHRA right now, and rightfully so, it's still the, the big dog out there. And if you look back at what Wally Parks did, he was a racer himself, and he wanted to have sanctioning body where he and his friends could get together and race for points and have <coughs> mandated safety and things like that to have a good time, and they never 
They never took their eye off that for a long time. It's always been about the racer, right? Great. Well, there's some now defunct organizations that have that lost sight of that. You know, it became about a dollar. Well, at the end of the day, if all you're doing is chasing advertiser dollars, you're not catering to your racers, you're not making a show, right? So if you don't have a bunch of trucks there, you're not going to have a show. If you don't have a good show, people aren't going to pay to watch it. And if people aren't going to pay to watch it, then sponsors aren't going to pay to, to sponsor their show. So you got to kind of sit back and say, you know, who is it you cater to? And you said you talked to Dennis and Ryan, and, and uh, they're right. I mean, you got to you cater to your racer to the point that it's time to, to like I say, turn on the Christmas tree. And then it's about those people in the stand. And if you can't keep a bunch of trucks in front of them and have a decent pace of show, you know, people don't like to watch cleanup equipment for hours and hours. People don't <laughs> yeah. like to have long breaks between rounds. And we're notorious for that. I mean, the diesel, the diesel races just in particular are, it's a hard show to put on. Um, you talk about going to any of them. When you're running ET trucks with, you know, mud grapplers and BF Goodwrench, you know, all-terrain tires, they tear up the start line. They don't rip the rubber off, but they wad it up, right? So you have all these little, like, like a chewing gum wall, you know, all these yeah. little bumps. So the slick tire cars can't plant all that slick on, on flat rubber. So you have to go behind those guys with a knife and cut it up and, and re-prep and all that. So the track prep from the the ET classes to Pro Street Pro Mod, you can't just one size fits all. So you, you prep your track, you run your big tire stuff, and you kind of work your way down to ET, and then ET wads up the track, and you got to prep it. You know? um, and the other part that's you know, about that, when you go to an NHRA race, they never have anything that's not a slick tire. So their time between rounds for prep is, is half of what we have to put up with. Um, and that's that's a it's, it's, it's a tough thing to handle. You know, I've, I've been playing in the booth at races since 2006 or seven, I guess. And that's one thing that we always try to chase is how do we how do we deal with that? 30 minutes of track prep that we know is coming, and how do we keep people in the stands? Because when people get the stands at 10, they start to get bored if the show is slow by about 2:30. You know, I mean, you've been to you've been to races before that run well at the night. How many people are in the stands at 9 o'clock versus you know 1:30 o'clock in the afternoon? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's hard to keep them interested in there unless they're just that hardcore. And if we're going to grow crowds going forward, you got to keep that guy there all day. You know, you got to have that nonstop action. You got to, you know, I mean, I hate to sound like I'm, uh, I'm pushing a monster truck event, but you got to have that Sunday, Sunday, Sunday kind of, you know, you'll pay for the whole seat, but you only need the edge kind of show um, to keep people interested. What, uh, what I, now, Cobb, you guys sponsor some events, right? So you, I mean, you see it from, from you know, the enthusiast side, and then also, you know, being involved. In these, but right. I know there's a, a couple that that you guys you know do every year. And yeah, we've been to... sponsored. We've been a sponsor at TS since the beginning. At Shad since, gosh, probably mid mid 2000s. You know, several different regional local events. Um, a lot of times, if it's you know, if, if if I'm able to, I don't get to do it as much now that I'm a dad. A lot more responsibilities. But back in the day, I mean, I'd, I'd go anywhere and, and call race from the booth. You know, because it makes it easier on the track staff when you got somebody in there that knows the people that are racing. Um, yeah. 
you know, and, and we do that kind of stuff, try to help just to, to, to bring people, whether that's, you know, just talking about it on the website and getting the word out there um, or whatever it is, because I want to see it grow, you know, much farther than it has now. But we have to be careful to avoid some of the pitfalls that, you know, some of the other kind of motorsport-specific enthusiast sort of niche categories are done. I mean, you can look back at the import crowd. They used to have NOPI events, and, you know, they had TV and this, that, and the other. They don't have events anymore, really. I mean, they're relegated to running with whatever class it is against their B8 counterparts now. And I hate to see that diesel go that way. I think if, you know, in the future you got to get the diesel people to understand that, you know, people people will pay to see us as long as we bring the freak show, which are the, you know, the big tire cars and stuff like that. But it's real hard to get somebody. And this, this is the same for NHRA because you go and look at their sportsman series and they don't have the big crowds. Um, you know, I mean, I think it's cool that they have a million-dollar bracket race, right? Have you ever seen that thing? It's awesome. Yeah. But... <laughs> but they don't have a big crowd for it because the stuff isn't fast, you know. Um, and to the novice drag racing fan, they don't realize how hard it is to bracket race, right? But all they know is it's not nitro-powered and it doesn't go 300 miles an hour. And a lot of the same, you see a lot of those same things with, with the diesel stuff too, you know. And as far as Comp D goes, you know, we can we can try and push as much as we can, but at the end of the day, we're all super super big enthusiasts. The guys on Comp D are going to be there at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and, and the question, I think, is how do we get the, the person that's never seen or heard it before to come that first time and buy into it? I mean, I, you know, we've we've been pretty good. You know, I, I don't know a single person that's got a diesel pickup truck that didn't get his first, you know, decent modification done to it, learn how to blow smoke all over people and, and do burnouts and stuff and didn't think it was the coolest thing ever. How do you how do you how do you keep that guy into it? How do you get that guy to spend more money? How do you get that guy to, to, to go race every weekend? And it's tough because of a couple things. The cost to campaign a ten second car isn't too bad. You know, you can build and run a ten second L S car relatively cheap. To build a ten second truck it's a little bit more of a, an investment. So you know, I don't I don't know how much cheaper we can make parts right now. I don't know, or install parts or whatever. Um, that'll be the interesting thing to see how it goes there forward because you know, we always said when the twenty four valves and the seven threes got cheap that all the kids would jump in. Well now those kids are in this truck. Those kids are buying common rails now. How do how do we keep it to where the, the common guy can go out there and, and run? Yeah, that you know, the thing that hooked me way back when was you know, the the utility of having a, a pickup truck, a diesel truck being able to go hunting, fishing, tow something, but then also to have that power and in some ways be able to compete with something a 7,500-pound truck shouldn't compete with. And that's almost like the gateway to it, Mm -hmm. you know. And, yeah, Yeah, that's the challenge. That's like that first time I tried crack, I'll tell you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but, But that's it, you know. I remember in high school, I'd run around with a bunch of guys and everybody, we used to street race and stuff, Mustangs and Camaros and whatnot. Everybody had a mullet and it was really cool. And, um, 
you know, the first time I jumped in a pickup truck that could run that quick, I was like, this is the most insane thing I've ever seen. I mean, here I am driving my buddy's 2000 model Dodge Dooley, you know, with an edge comp box on it. And, you know, we're just ripping the clutch anew and every time, but it was so freaking cool. I just thought, man, this is insane. And so it wasn't three months later I had a Dodge and, and I was tearing up the transmission and, and luckily I was at a point in my life where I could afford it. You know, if I'd have found something like that when I was 16 years old, I'd, I'd still be in bankruptcy court. There's no doubt. You know, um, it, it, it's, it, it's interesting to see how it's evolved just from, from that standpoint. I mean, I was kind of around when blowing smoke on people was cool. You know, um, yeah. and now we're the same guys that are sitting over in the corner, like shouldn't do that. And I'm I'm guilty of it. I mean, I'll 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 stand there and say all day long it's killing the sport. It probably is, but I mean it's just fun to do every once in a while. We can't sit here and lie to ourselves. I mean, that stuff was cool, and 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 all those old inter- internet videos you see from India in 2005 when people doing burnouts behind the hotel, shutting the town down, and all this crap. We can't get mad when. These people did the same thing at Shad in 2017. You know, I mean, we we kind of we kind of blazed that trail for those guys. So, you know, we can get mad about it, and, and like, there's a spot on on the website where we make fun of people who do it, and that's fine. But we can't forget that we we sort of blazed that trail, <laughs> you know, and um, and and on top of that, to understand, you got to pass down that responsibility, and we're quick to do it. We're quick to tell people, hey, you know. You don't want the fuzz out here. I mean, everybody on Comp D remembers when we had some dumbass run down the drag strip at Bowling Green uh, the night before the race at TS and mud all over his tires and, and got us kicked out. Like, we couldn't race the next day. And they probably remember how we had to slam all those people into the sled pulling track that evening, and a, a, a facility that was designed to manage those people from probably 4 in the afternoon to 10 at night, and we had that many people there at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, so probably 4 in the morning. So, of course, the portalettes got full, and of course they ran out of food and beer, you know, but it's because of one the actions of one person that did that. Um, and so it's, you know, it's kind of a, as we've gotten older, we've grown and, and sort of realized the error of our ways, but it's uh, something we, we, we kind of have to point the finger at ourselves sometimes to, because we were we were there when it happened. It's been real interesting to see. I have I haven't been, you know, in or around trucks as long as you guys or some of your you know first first uh, members on Comp D. But you know, I probably about two thousand seven eight ish is when mm-hmm. I got into it, and it's changed so much since then. Where now it's like, I don't know. I see it almost from you know from our perspective. It's a little different. Like. I find it so hard to try to pull people in and say, okay, go buy the $75,000 truck, void the warranty within the first month, and go make it try to run nines or tens. There are yeah. some people who ha- who can do that, mm-hmm. um, you know, if all the tuning and everything's there. But it's like like you said, when those guys are buying common rails now, who were buying VP trucks, well, you know, it's like it, it, trying to make it affordable, I guess, well, maybe not affordable is the right word, but just not have to spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars to keep someone interested in it. More economical, yeah. More banker, yeah. but you know it's funny you say that because I think when it first started, the only people that could afford to buy a diesel truck were people that had a decent amount of money to begin with. You know, um, 
it wasn't. I mean, they've always been expensive, you know, compared to your your level of income, brand new trucks anyway, right? So right. what you saw was that first round when people finally figured out that hey, this twelve valve thing is pretty cool. You know, we can go fast with it. It wasn't like those people were broke, and it wasn't like they were sixteen. You know, they were kind of established, a little older, had a little bit of uh, age on them. Some of them had successful businesses and stuff like that, so they were able to take a truck and dump a pile of money into it to make it go fast. Well, now a lot of the enthusiasts, and I'm using air quotes again, see a lot of these guys are getting into it. I don't know where the money comes from. I mean, me and Roy Slaughter have always said you can't hide credit, and it, it's the truth. I mean, you, you see a lot of these guys are getting in there, man, and they got a, they got a truck sponsored by Visa. And, you know, I, I remember when I got my first built transmission, I mean, it was like a, it was an economic undertaking. I had to save my pennies and do some wife convincing, you know, sell a four-wheeler and all that stuff to, to afford it. And now, I mean, and there, there's some shops that have in-house finance and 90 days, same as cash kind of stuff, you know. And the problem with it is, you know, like I know, as soon as you get your first built transmission, you're just going to find some other way to break the truck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's kind of a, uh, you know, make power, break, spend money, repeat kind of deal. And I, I hate it that we haven't, you know, gotten to that point. I think I think there is a certain point where you can make a bunch of horsepower, enough to kill you reliably and have it every day. But, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like heroin, man. You know, you see these guys that get on it and they just, they can't stop. And I think that's why you see a lot of the people that enter the, enter the scene and they, they build a truck and they go out and they really rip it up for a while and then they start to realize the toll it's taken on their personal finances or maybe their business finances or maybe even their personal life at home. And I've been yeah. very fortunate that I've got a wife who's like the most awesome thing on the planet and understands that, you know, I run off on the weekends and go play with my buddies. But at the same time, you know, you can ask anybody, you don't see me at the racetrack near as much as you used to. Part of that's because I've got a daughter and everything else is going on. But, you know, I mean – any form of motorsport, you start throwing money around at some of this stuff, and it's got it reaches the point where you got to make sure you're taking care of stuff at home too, you know. And and sometimes, I mean, I've seen guys who literally have horsepowered themselves into divorce, you know, and and <laughs> they got trophies on the wall to prove it, but they've also got a you know nine hundred dollar a month child support payment or something like that. And, oh, and yeah. you know, at some point you gotta you gotta make a decision and and. That's the that's the tough part for a lot of it. And, I, and like I said, I don't think it's just diesel specific. Although it's far too easy to do it with a diesel. It's like I said, you can't buy. Well, I guess you can now. You can probably buy some some LS car, a, a five O Coyote, um, and make stupid power for a couple hundred bucks. But still, you take a pickup truck, bone stock, right? Let's just go buy. A, well, you can't do it with a seventeen six seven Ford, but you can do it with a sixteen and a programmer and be at mid five horsepower wise for a thousand bucks, you know, or yeah. a, or you know a, a common rail. I mean, the, the the power they can make on stock parts is just mind blowing, and it, it's <laughs> it, it's it's not hard to see how slippery that slope gets. You start off and it's cheap, and then as the deeper you go, you know, the more the more cocaine you snort, the more you want, so to speak, and, and it gets people in it gets people in trouble, you know. And I've, I've got friends that I used to see at the racetrack a lot, and I don't see them anymore. And, it's, and you know, it's kind of the same thing. I guess we grow up, we get wise to it. Um, 
and it's keeping that fun that we used to have. I mean, there's not an event that I go to where people don't sit around at some point. We get, you know, 12 beers deep on there's somebody saying, man, you remember the good old days when we didn't have to put up with any of these nickel poops that were blowing smoke? I'm like, you do realize that was us, right? We were, <laughs> we were doing the stupid stuff. But it's, it, it, it's, it's interesting, and I don't think there's one answer, to be honest with you. I don't think there's just something we can say, well, this will fix it, and this will help, you know, keep people spending money in the industry and keep pushing the industry forward, and keep pushing the racing and, and all that stuff forward. I think a lot of it falls on shops and having shops that are reputable and that are there for the long haul. Because I'm sure you know some of your customers and everybody else that have been to some of these places that don't know what the hell they're doing. There's so much bolt on stuff. They work on somebody's truck who's really got the, the wherewithal to be a, a contributor to the sport one day. But because they've had a bad experience with some shop that hosed them, They'll go back to playing with LS cars, or they'll go back to playing with Mustang. That's a hundred percent right. It, it it will end the diesel enthusiasm passion really fast mm-hmm. when well, something bad happens. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You know, we got you got some of these shops that they'll they'll jump off in builds and they don't have a clue as to what they're doing. You know, I mean, any any moron with a you know a decent set of tools can install twins now. Now whether or not they work. You know, or anybody can, the bad part is anybody can write a tune. And I'm, I'm using that term very loosely. But but that's the funny thing that I've, I've noticed over the last however many years I've been playing with it is you get some of these people who are branded a tuner. Do, do they really know what they're doing? I mean, yeah. do they really? I mean, what what school did they go to to learn how to do that is always my question. And I know there's not one, but, you know, you wouldn't go to a dentist who just, like, watched a bunch of people clean teeth, <laughs> you know, or read, or read a book on the Internet, you know. I mean, where – and I think some of that falls from the consumer, too. And the bad part about it is, too, everybody's wanting that deal. Everybody wants it cheap. And how many times have you seen somebody say, well, man, my truck's blown up because my tuner had something going on. Why did you use him? Well, man, he was $300 cheaper. Yeah. You're talking about a $70,000 pickup truck. I don't want yeah. cheap. You know? I mean, no. it, but it happens. <laughs> it happens oh, every like, day. In the transmission world, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, this. you take somebody who's been there, done that, built hundreds or thousands of them, Mm-hmm. has proven what it can hold in their particular vehicle. And then they're like, oh, well, that guy down the street is like, you know, two grand. I'm like, you're not getting a 1,500 horsepower 48RE for two grand. But they'll do and it, the- and they'll end up having to spend money to fix it, and it's horrible. Like, I don't enjoy hearing those stories, but, yeah, it, it happens all the time. And the funny part about it, too, you know, I don't care. The, the parts are a, a big part of what makes up that transmission. Don't get me wrong, but all things being the same, you can't just put parts in one and expect it to live. It is every bit of how those parts are installed. Who set up the valve body? How is it set up? Is the converter matched for what you're trying to do? Is the tuning correct for what we're doing? Is the turbo going to work with that converter? I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to what you got going on. And when you start talking about something like that, you start talking about an eight, 900 horsepower truck, setting up a transmission and getting everything to work together, that's not the time you start trying to save $200. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. you know, it's something and, and I'll say this. You spend all the money you want to, and it doesn't matter. You know, 15 minutes of dumbass behind the steering wheel can tear up any of them, and we all know that. You know, none of them are, none of them are, are completely bulletproof. But that being said, if you spend the right money with the right people, you can drive, you can build a 900 horsepower and drive it every day. You know, I know there are some people that will say, you know, I've got the world record, blah, blah, whatever, 11 million horsepower that I daily drive and tow off this crap with. We all know that that's just, you always have to be wary anytime you hear claims that are being made that are, I mean, I'll get a little bit out of the ordinary, but a lot out of the ordinary. I'm always quick to kind of call it on and ask for proof. But there are ways to do it. The funny part is not everybody wants to spend money to do it right. And that's where, like I said, you know, we live in, we unfortunately live in the in the world now where my mom's basement diesel performance is a real thing, you know, where, you know, I don't own a house, but I own a truck, but I bought a tune from somebody else that bought the program on how to write my own tunes, and I'm just going to turn it up to 11, and I'm going to live in mom's basement and use, use my garage to put your turbo on, right? And you have to see it every day. You're, you're competing with that guy, you know? Yeah. Luckily, I'm, I'm not in that. I don't, I don't do it for a living, so I don't have to worry about it, but it's got to be terribly frustrating. And I see, you know, I talk to some of these shop owners, and they're like, man, you know how bad it sucks to sit here and, and you get the tech calls and you get to fix a lot of the problems that, you know, I sit in the I sit in my underwear on the Internet Diesel Performance shop installed for you, you know. Or you get the phone call, people ask you about all this stuff, and then it gets bought off eBay, and then they call you back and expect you to fix it. Yeah. And on the one yeah. hand, it's got to be frustrating. On the other hand, I mean, it is more business for the reputable shops. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean... It, it is, because, like, when we started this, you know, there's hundreds of places to buy any number of parts. Right. I've got maybe three to six places for, say, turbos or transmissions or tuning. And, yeah, there might be somebody cheaper, but I know if this file doesn't load in, I can get a hold of someone and they'll help the customer with it. Or we need to set up a custom transmission for this set of compounds. This guy's done right. it. He knows. And that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it costs a little more, but when shit hits the fan and the eBay stuff isn't working, there's nobody who's going to help you. You're just, you're SOL. No, and the bad part is, too, I've seen it in the last several years where somebody will buy something off eBay that is brand X diesel performance parts, right? Let's Let's just use Patrick, for example. Okay, I bought a Patrick tuner off the Internet. Did you buy it from Patrick? Well, no, I got it from eBay, but the guy that I bought it from said it was his stuff. Well, do you really know? And <laughs> and then is Patrick supposed to worry about it if it gets sold out of the back door, you know, from some other kid? And you've got to be vigilant when it comes to that kind of stuff. And it sucks that the shops are having to put up with it and having to deal with that kind of stuff going on behind closed doors. I mean, not just stealing your name or, or stealing something, but you also have to put up with, well, so-and-so said it was better than that, and I can buy a $200 cheaper. And then you get every idiot on the planet with a dang Visa card that can get an account with a distributor, and they don't know what they're doing when it comes to the install. And how do you right. deal with that? I mean, it's, it's 
there's a lot of moving parts, and it sucks, man. I, you know, just just from what it is, you know, the, I think the biggest thing when it comes to being a shop is really and truly the the game has gotten to the point now where your reputation is everything, because the guy that buys the cheap stuff the first time around when it blows up, the second shop's going to be his lifetime shop, you know. Um, yeah. And you just want to, you, you kind of want to be able to hold his hair back while he throws up and wipe his tears, you know, um, and, and, you know, point him in the right direction. That's still something I do to this day. Is, you know, I've I've been lucky enough to be able to talk with a lot of shop owners over the last six or seven years, and I'll get somebody who calls and they want to build, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, I can help you with most of it, but I need to get you in touch with this guy. He's 20 miles from you. He's done this. You can go, you know, look him up on these YouTube and these race results and everything. You need to go visit this guy. And that's where I think the relationship building and knowing in these different areas, you know, who does what, who can help. You have to have that competent shop. And I tell them, they're not going to be cheap. But mm-hmm. if you're going to dump 30 grand into this thing, this is where you got to go. And Well, the, the, the big thing, you just hit the nail on the head. When you're not – when you're not sure if you can do it, there's a lot of people that can't swallow their ego and point somebody in a different direction. Yeah. And I hate to see that from from the consumer standpoint because, you know, a lot of a lot of companies will oversell their ability in a lot of situations, you know. And it's funny, I'll be, I, I, I've, I've asked people before, who did so-and-so? And they'll name some shop, and I'm like, really? I didn't know he was building transmissions these days. <laughs> you know, like pretty sure the last time I saw him, he was having trouble with that hood safety catch. But okay, I hope it works out for you. You know, and and you see that, and, and I think a lot of it too, as as shop owners, shop owners have to kind of understand that I may not be the best guy for the job, but if I push some business to my buddy over here, he may push some stuff and turn back to me, and. A lot of the stuff that we've seen over the years where you got these guys fighting because they're all swimming in the same pool, I think you can grow the industry a lot more quickly by helping each other out. Because the truth of the matter is, and you know it as well as I do, most of the reputable shops, you know, if it's a, if they're a big power stroke shop and somebody comes in wanting Duramax work, yeah, they could sell it, sell it to them and do it at a cheaper price, but can they keep it, you know, keep it reliable? And it's just a lot easier to say, you know, hey, I've got a buddy that specializes in that. Why don't you call him for this? And then, you know, he's going to reciprocate it down the road. Yeah, exactly. And, and everyone has their specialty, whether, you know, it's it's B&J with motors and heads or Waggler or, you mm-hmm. know, Levon with what he does with trannies and turbos and, and you know, tuning and building the truck or, you know, or somebody in Arizona or Oregon or wherever they're at. That's where – I think it helps weed out the the I don't want to just call them all eBay people, but that eBay kind of mentality of it's all the same, it doesn't matter. Is it really does? And, and you know, been you know, having been in it so long, I know a lot of us do. Is you can quickly double or triple your expenses, have that horsepower divorce. You can it can get nasty once you start playing in that higher horsepower game, and you don't you don't work with the best that you can. Well, how many times have you been in an event where you're watching that poor kid who's got half of his, his nest egg sunk into a stick-up truck and you're watching it go home on a rollback because he's wanting to save a little money? And you got to feel for that guy. I mean, I'm not yeah. going to sit here and act like I hadn't driven my junk home when it was hurt. I have. 
you know, and 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 I and I had some of the best people in the industry helping me out with mine, you know. It, you know, it, and I'm sitting here going, "Wow, you know." Here, I, and of course, it, it's stuff that I heard that was kind of on me when I did it. But you know, you you start to realize real quick too when you make that investment and something happens. The reputable shops are the ones that are going to help you after you tear it up. You know, if, if if the guy you spent your money with is not willing to help you at least figure out why what happened happened, then have you spent your money in the right place? You know, I mean, I, I know a lot of really great people in the diesel industry, and I know a lot of really great people that have probably lost countless dollars that they they didn't need to, but they were doing what was right for the customer. It might be even fixing someone else's screw-ups in some cases, you know. And I think yeah. that's one thing that the diesel industry really has head and shoulders above a lot of these other industries is the fact that at the end of the day, we don't want to see anybody that's stuck on the side of the road. You know, you go to a, you know, Texas Mile event or, T, you know, Texas 2K17 or whatever it is, those guys tear up a really badass Corvette. They've got a, something to They ain't driving it there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of times in the diesel industry, I see these guys who drive halfway across the country to go to an event. They'll tear something up in running a, a ET bracket race. And if that truck's not running Monday, that might be what's hauling their equipment back to the farm or their hotshot trailer or whatever it is. It may just be driving them to work. But at some point in our industry, our play toys, we still drive every day a lot of the times, you know. Um, and taking care of those guys that rely on it is is paramount, I think, for what we we do. And, you know, I've seen it a lot of times. And you'll see, you know, you get, on, you get on the website and you'll see, you know, hey, does anybody know anyone in such and such? I've got a friend who's, who's jumped down if he needs help. And our industry comes together a lot more quickly, I think, than others because we know that, a lot of people's, you know, kids' meals depend on that truck. It's not just some redneck out having fun on the weekend, you know. I mean, it's not like it was back <laughs> back years ago when everybody was playing with Mustang, you know, and we tore something up, and you didn't have to drive that thing to work every day. That's why I think it's so important for, you know, our listeners and, and uh, you know, our fans on social media and, and other places to go sign up on Comp D. And because there, there's so much of this knowledge that's there, it, it can not just educate, you know, people on their trucks, but see the history of it, see where it's going, see the latest and greatest things that are happening, like before they hit magazines or before they hit a Facebook page. A lot yeah, of man, there's, there. there's threads on that website or website about like, hey, there's supposed to be a magazine called Diesel Power coming out. You guys believe this? I mean, it, it, it's crazy, <laughs> you know. Um it's funny you talk to historians about anything. You kind of, if you want to know where you're going, you kind of need to look where you came from. And, and, and we have a searchable database, unlike our friend Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook, where you can go back and look at where it came from, and see, you know, kind of the evolution of how everything's going. And I'm not trying to sit here and plug the web. Well, man, I am kind of trying to plug the website, but I don't want people to come sign up just just if they're not into it. I mean, you have to realize that it kind of comes with a, a warning label that. You know, if you get on there and act like an idiot, you're going to be called an idiot. As long as it's cool with that, I'd love to have everybody there and, and, and see. Because I think that 
that's what's missing from a lot of this stuff. I mean, I'm a member of these groups on Facebook, and a bunch of it's just fluff. I mean, they ask the same question 47 times. You can go to Comp D and hit the search bar and type it in, and it's right there in front of you. Yeah. And the other cool part about the Comp D that I don't, I don't think you can really find anywhere else is the fact that we can get in a freaking mudslinging fight quicker than anywhere on the planet. And, oh, I love them, man. I go I go and read them and just rehash them. It's like watching an old movie, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like watching, you know, on Sunday afternoons when Shawshank Redemption is on. You know, you just kind of flop back on the couch and you know watch it. And and we're 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 really good at it. And and the funny thing is now we've seen a lot like this shift to social media. Um, people get on the social media and they get in a really good fight, and then like 15 minutes later, it's forgotten about. And it was like yesterday, and I don't want to bag on Ryan Milliken. Lord knows I've known Ryan for a long time, and, and we, we give each other a bunch of grief. But he called out Tony Rizzi last night. Did you see that in the night before last, about the first round of TS? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, pretty cool. He called Tony out and said, hey, first round off the trailer, me versus you, $3,000. Right? And that's, you know, if you follow radial tire racing or anything like that, like a, a good grudge race is awesome. I've always loved it. And I, and I remember years ago when Wade Moody and, and Greg Dupron and Doc Moy got into like a three-month bench racing session to have a grudge race at TS. You know, it was probably the most built-up grudge race on the planet at the time in the diesel world. And, um, you know, we saw that last this weekend with, with uh, Ryan and Tony, and that's a race I want to see. I mean, that would be really cool, watching a little green car versus Tony's little truck. It's really awesome. You know, seeing these two guys line up. But you kind of sit back and wonder, is that really going to happen? I mean, Facebook has the shortest memory of anything. And and now, with the state of social media and the Internet like it is, nobody's got a memory past the last 15 minutes. So, And, and the thing about on Facebook, unless we keep commenting on that thread or keep talking about it every day and starting a new thread, we're not going to get anywhere with it. Well, on an Internet forum, it's going to stay near the top, you know, especially with people commenting and jumping on. And I think that's something that people need to get behind more. You know, if we're going to have a grudge race, let's have us a grudge race and, and, and get it done. I mean, uh, I'll be there to call it, so I hope that all parties involved are serious about it. But I think it would be great to have a bunch of people stacked up on the starting line to see how this thing goes down, especially the first round of qualifying, because you know, like I do, that a diesel drag race, the crowd really doesn't show up till about the second or third round. <laughs> so if we could get a reason for guys to get in the gate early, it would be really awesome. It'll be a hell of a race. You gonna come down to TS this year? I'm hoping to to make it out there. Yeah, I really. I've never been to TS. Uh, it's, it's one of one of the ones I've always wanted to go to. Um, and so I'm I'm trying hard. It'd be great to see just the venue of it, you know. And uh, a lot of the guests we've had on the podcast, I've met a lot of them in person, but not all of them, you know, because we're mm-hmm. spread out all over the country. I know. PS is one of those events everybody goes to. So it's a great time yeah. to meet, you know, old friends, new friends, hang out, you know, have some Yeah, I remember, and... remember a couple of years ago I was there and I was drinking beer with people from Canada and Miami simultaneously, which is really <laughs> yeah. cool. It's one of the few events you can, you can do that, and it's one of the few events anymore that people will travel to great distances to, to race at, you know. Um, you know, you have, you have your big – sled pulling events, you've got Shad, you've got, you know, Bowling Green, Ohio, you got stuff like that where you see a lot of pullers come into town. But TS for 
the last several years has kind of been the, the, the Daytona 500 on the drag race side, you know. And, you know, I mean, years ago that was the only race outside of an NHRA venue that Gail Banks showed up at with his truck. You know, and it's 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 a it's a big deal when you get those kind of people there, not just for the action to watch the race itself, but just for the camaraderie and to hang out with your buddies. It's like I said, you know, it's, it, to me it's all about friendship and having fun with a great group of people and meeting new friends. I always meet new people there every year that I wind up, you know, becoming decent friends with for a long time. And diesel motorsports is one of those kind of anomalies where we're there to compete against each other, but everybody's there to have, have fun, and you get a lot more of a family atmosphere at diesel events than you do at a lot of other forms of motorsport. That's when was the last true. time you were, at a, you, were at a, you were at a big, you know, gas race where you – I mean, it's happening more and more now, but you still don't see a lot of a lot of people there with their kids in the, in the, uh, in the toter home like you do at a diesel event. Oh, that's that's what I love about them is that and I mean there's some you know guys I met in 2011 I just met them one time they're still friends you know still see what's going on in life and how things are going and it's it's just an awesome at, you know atmosphere and yeah I'm, I'm hoping to be able to make it there to TS and we might even be able to do a live live podcast that'd be cool man you yeah. come up in the tower with me we can we can yeah. do it up there I'll I'll be, I'll be in the tower again this year and uh you know, announcing the race. Um, it'd be cool. We could probably figure out a way. I think they finally got Wi-Fi up there at the racetrack, so we could do some live stream stuff um, and, and maybe put some stuff up on the Internet live for people that aren't able to make it out. You know, that's been one thing that's kind of neat. You know, I remember the first time we ever did a live diesel race. I think it was with DHRA in Las Vegas, like 2007 maybe. Um, we had a live feed. And now, I mean, that's kind of commonplace everywhere where there's always a live feed. You know, I watched the UCC last year on the live feed at work at home. And, and uh, it's neat to be able to do that, but I don't think you can really, until you get to one of those places and, and get around the people and walk around the pits and watch guys thrash between between rounds and see everything that's going on, it's something that everybody needs to experience in person at least once, you know. And, and I know it's, it's tough on shops. I talk to shop owners all the time. And it's hard for them to make every race like, you know, for you to, to, to go to Kentucky from where you're at, you're going to probably have to shut the shop down on Thursday or Friday, so you're going to miss a day of revenue there, and you may not get back until Monday, so you're going to miss a little more revenue. It's hard to do that. But at the same time, if you can get out there and, and you know, talk to people and network, you can, you, can kind of, you can kind of get some of that revenue back. You know, it may not be this week, but two months from now, you might get a phone call from somebody that you met, won't spend a bunch of money on parts. Or it may be another shop that you hung out with down there that pushed some business your way. And I think that a lot of guys rely too heavily a lot sometimes on the Internet stuff. And the cool thing about diesel motorsports is that we're still kind of a, a man-to-man, let's make a deal on a handshake kind of community, you know, and where everybody kind of knows each other. And once you get in that circle, it kind of opens up a lot of different avenues you may not have had before. And that's where, you know, and I'm, I'm the, the worst at doing it, but I, I make fun of these, these guys that just kind of sit in their underwear on the Internet and sell parts all day. And there's a reason they're not in business very long in, in a lot of cases, and it's because they don't get out, they don't network, and, and they don't learn. And I think that by going to, to major events like that, 
you open up a network that you've probably never seen or had before just by making new acquaintances. The, the art of networking face-to-face is getting lost, and it's not just in our industry. It's, it's nationwide. I mean, I don't know how many big companies now, if, you know, you don't get your resume submitted through some website or whatever, you may not have a shot to get the job unless you know somebody. And yeah. going, to an, going to an event or a race like that is a place for you to meet somebody, to, to meet these people. And and that's what a lot of guys are missing out on. And that's what I hate to see is, well, you know, I'm way out here in Arizona and it's tough for me to get to Kentucky. It may be the, the best, you know, $1,500 you ever spend for your business. And I encourage, not just for not just for TS and not just for Shy, but races in general. I mean, you sell a lot of parts on the Internet, don't get me wrong, but you, you make a lot of long-term connections by going to events, meeting other racers, meeting other shop owners, and networking with them that way. Oh, you're now, 100% you're, right. Uh, those are the, the strongest relationships I have in the industry are, you know, guys that I've met in person. I met Ryan Milliken and Tony Rizzi and guys, you know, that auto works up in New Jersey or, you know, guys at Shide or all these different places, you know, or like uh, Ben Shaddy from Dunright Diesel. He was at the right. Dino day three weeks ago. See him, hi, handshake, you know, and there's, you know, insoles and things like that that I can, I can send people there. I, I sent a motor job to Kingspeed, you know, mm-hmm. long-time customer of mine. I know those guys can take care of them. They're five minutes away. And that's mm-hmm. where, that's where it's beautiful and it works, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and and the other cool part about it is it, it's light work when you go to these events. It, you're having fun, you know. You're not out there yeah. just to, to do the business. And you're out shaking hands and shaking babies and drinking beer and doing all that fun stuff, you know. <laughs> um, I used to always tell people I'm out here, you know, kissing hands and shaking babies, but that, that's that's what you that's what you got to do in order to to grow your business. And and I'll. I've sit back and see where it's come from the early 2000s when I got into it. And back then, man, you had to travel so far, and you had to had to do a lot of stuff. And there's so many events now that are cropping up in everybody's backyard, and I encourage everyone to support them. Even if, even if you got beef with the guy that's putting it on, it's still, it's still a show. And it's, it's still, you know, a rising tide raises all ships, so they say. And... You know, our industry has been snake bit in the last several years because of personal vendetta. I'm not going to support this event. I'm not going to support that shop. Well, we're never going to get it together and grow the sport to the size we want to see if everybody hates each other. And I'm not saying there's not a there's not room for rivalry because I think that's what helps push the show along. But Let's have our let's have our war on the racetrack or on the sled pulling track as opposed to on the internet all the time. You know that's why I like grudge racing. and that's why I love what Ryan you know did with Tony. And let's let's go out first round, three grand, see who's the man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's where <laughs> that's where we get that's where we get a lot of that stuff from, and you know that'll bring a lot of people in. You know if we can get that live on the internet, that'll have a lot of people watching, and. You know, the, the the bigger the rivalry, the more people are interested in seeing it, the more people will show up and support the events, that buy the parts in the vendor alley at that event to help the shops that are there to grow their business and 
I mean, it, it helps. And I think, you know, as competitors, it's really good for those guys to show up, especially at local stuff, you know. It's like what Bannon's doing with the his all-diesel day. You know, Louisville, Kentucky is is a is a great area for diesel performance. It's never really had a big event there, right? And that thing's growing. And it's growing big. And you see, you know, more and more people showing up. That event's growing. I want to see it. I want to see it get even bigger, maybe even become an ODSS point stop. That'd be awesome to get a lot of those guys there because, heck, man, if you start talking about making it a point stop and then you bring the pro mods and the dragsters and stuff, something like that, I mean, your crowd's going to get insanely large. And so growing smaller events, I mean, I remember the first time TS had an event and there were a few pro street trucks there and a bunch of bracket trucks. This was years and years and years ago, but you see where it's gotten to now. So they all start somewhere. And I think as competitors, especially long-standing competitors and guys that have big name, big name rides and big name shots, they need to support that local stuff to get it out there. You know, yeah, some of these promoters they may be a little crossed up and they may not understand it, but back you know 15 years ago, none of us knew what the hell we were doing either. So you got to kind of you got to kind of help push that along, you know, um, to 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 make it bigger. You know, I was really impressed with what. They did it at uh, the Diesel Thunder event a couple of weeks back. They had a really good crowd for that, and that thing's just going to continue to grow. I mean, that's a hotbed down there, and who doesn't want to go to Florida in early March, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's 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 things about every event, and I can sit and nitpick for, for months about things that, that anybody does wrong in a race because the Lord knows I've made a lot of those mistakes, you know, at, at some races that I've helped, helped run or put on or whatever, and, you know, at the end of the day, if the community comes together, helps to push that forward, then then we're all a lot better off. Okay, yeah, man, it's really it's it's an exciting time in diesel performance and and uh, you know what's going on and, and what you guys have built for a long time, you know, over at Comp D and uh, I mean I can't encourage people enough to to go over check it out. You're gonna enjoy it. And once you sign up, and it's called the staging lanes, right? That's where the, the yeah, fights go. Right. That's where it all yep. goes down. <laughs> go to the staging lanes, sit back, open a beer, put your feet up, and just read. <laughs> there's some amazing yeah, search, shit on there. <laughs> search, search anybody's name, and there's going to be a thread about them, and, and, and we'll all watch each other fight from there. And maybe maybe next time in a month or two, we'll get back together on the podcast, and we can rehash some of the, the good, you know, fights that we've had there and 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 uh maybe i can provide a little insight into some of the backstory that might have created some of that um uh, you know, to, those are the juicy details man, <laughs> man I'm, I'm, I'm telling you you know it's funny you, you know you, you hit the nail on the head earlier you mentioned transmissions and and i can't tell you how many fights i've seen on the inter- internet since 2000 over transmissions i mean it, it's crazy and the funny thing is we were arguing about it you know 17 years ago we'll probably argue about it for the next 200 you know um but it's it's always fun and um i really appreciate all the members because i mean really and truly like when we started comp date we we're probably the last non-corporate owned large diesel site on the planet um we're phil and i still own it we're we're, we're privateers and we built it for a place for our buddies to hang out and that's kind of been how we've always looked at it. You know, 
I don't care how big it gets. At the end of the day, it's still about the, the competitors, and that's why it's there, the place for them to go on the Internet and, and have fun and talk about anything. I mean, we got threads there about how to cook barbecue and where to go fishing. And I, mean, I think there's a thread right now, like, where the best tacos in the, on the planet are. You know, so it's not just all... <laughs> It's not just all transmission fights. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of other stuff that goes into it, but it's all about the enthusiast. You know, it's it's a home for that. We're, we've never been, you know, one of these places where if you spend 15 extra dollars this month, we'll give you access to all these cool videos that you can probably find on YouTube anyway or, you know, something like that or spend $20 with me and I'll send you a crappy T-shirt, a hat, call you a platinum member or some crap. I mean, it's not about that. All you got to do is give us your name and your email, and you can get into the member-only sections and see what goes down. And, and like I said, you've got a searchable database where you can—I mean, you can learn more in 30 minutes there than you can in a lot of places. And heck, some of these shop owners would probably thank me if I can get guys learn how to use the search function, so they wouldn't have to answer the same question 47 times a day. But it's—it's <laughs> it's a good place, and if you've got questions, it's a place you can go and see real innovators in the industry not only talking about it but you can see where it came from because in a lot of instances like if people have ideas and they bring them to comp b to discuss whether or not it's going to work before they ever put pen to paper so it's it's a good it's a really good resource to go check out whatever modification it is you might be looking at yeah you can go and, and really see some some of the insight into what went wrong when they tried to make it you know, what were the failures? Because I've always said you can measure a man a lot on his success, but, you, you you know, if I want to find out how somebody got successful, I ask them about where they stubbed their toe and where they failed, mainly because I don't want to do it myself. But it's one of those things that if you can if you can get in there and you can see where it came from, you'll learn a lot about which direction you need to head. Where do people go and sign up? www.competitiondiesel.com or .net Sweet. or dot something. I mean, we got like 27 different domain names that'll punch you there. Um, you can even go to oralthecold.com and it'll take you to comp <laughs> You just click on register and That's put right. in your name and email and it's done. Mm-hmm. It's done. Awesome, man. I, I do appreciate your time today. It's been really cool, you know, to, to hear how you guys built that and, you know, talking about the industry like we did and, you know, looking back, but then looking forward and how we get more more uh, people in the stands and everything and definitely going to you know chat with you again and 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 recap it and keep doing what you guys do and, and keep those transmission fights going because i love reading those <laughs> <laughs> yeah we might have to go start one tonight now that we've done it <laughs> i'll be checking <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah and i appreciate you doing what you're doing i think i think that uh having a podcast for the industry is a good thing you've had a lot of uh Really good minds. I, I listen as much as I can. I'll kind of download it and listen to them a little work on the way home. And, and it's always interesting to see what my friends have to say. Um, and, it's, and, and, and on top of that, it's a good thing for the industry as a whole because it provides an outlet for actual discussion, you know, other than via keyboard. So I think it's always interesting. You know, you see a lot of people that are that'll talk one way on the keyboard, maybe a different way on, on in person. I love the podcast because it just it gets rid of the marketing wording, mm-hmm. and you just get to talk with someone, you know, about yeah. whatever. You know, it doesn't always have to be about you know a turbo or a transmission or a truck. We veer off in different directions and everything, and it's, mm-hmm. it's something really cool. Thank you. Yeah.
Heck yeah, man. Well, I appreciate your time, dude. It's it's been it's been a good time. Like I said, we need to get together and do it again.